Hi, and welcome to the Bluff Church Podcast. Each week we bring you the Sunday message from the Bluff Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you like our podcast, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment and leave a review on your favorite listening platforms on iTunes or Google Play. Your review helps other listeners find our podcast. For more information about the Bluff, we invite you to visit our website at thebluff.church or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for the Bluff Church. If you live in the Poplar Bluff area, we invite you to come be a part of the Bluff on any Sunday at 1027 a.m. in the ballroom of the Holiday Inn. Now here's this week's message. So you can still Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing today? See if I can power this thing up here. Testing one, two, three. Do I have a second mic? All right. Hey, today, before I start the message, I want to share a couple things. First, I want to let you know my brother is in town. I love when my brother Casey comes to visit. My brother, he's always been a copycat. He's my little brother. He does everything I do. I married a Rachel. I married the original. He married a spicy Rachel. So now there's two Rachel Clemens. And, uh, and so I'm uh, thrilled to have him uh, joining us today. Um, I want to talk one more, if I could just throw this out before I start the message. I don't want to contribute to false teaching. And there's a chance someone might misunderstand what I say later on. So I just want to make sure everyone knows what I'm talking about right at the very beginning. I know there's a lot of Christians that say, well, there's a lot of sinners in the church. A lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm just a sinner. I just want to be very clear. I am not a sinner. I have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul did not write a letter to the sinners of Rome. He didn't write a letter to the sinners in Corinth. He wrote letters to the saints. Okay? I've got sin in my life, and that's the celebration. Get it? Are we on the same page? I'm not a sinner anymore. Praise Jesus. And I think it's a false teaching, and it does does the cross a very, it's unjust. To, to go around and for Christians to claim that we're still sinners when we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul's like, hey, I'm still struggling with this flesh thing. Paul knew he had sin in his life, and he also knew he had been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and he was a saint now, stamped as innocent. Are we on the same page? Because today I'm going to talk about the sin in our life, and I don't want you to leave and think, oh, I'm such a sinner. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not a sinner. You're a saint. So now it's time to live like it. <laughs> right? Because we still, we still have junk in our life to deal with. And we're talking about all these dark areas in our life. These dark areas that, uh, can you think of anything darker than, than sin? Sin would be so easy to overcome if it wasn't so tempting. Tim, sin is so tempting. We want to sin. There's, it's a temptation. And there's something in us, even as saved people, even as saints, that, that is just, it, it's just, it's a craving within us. And what I want to do is we're going to look at the book of James. 
And I first want to look at the progression of sin, how sin actually plays out in reality, practically. How does it play out? How does sin manifest itself in our life? Because it doesn't just pop in there. There's some steps that happens. And then we'll look at how we can, how we can resist sin, especially as saints. We want to resist sin in our life, so how can we, how can we do that? So let's look at the passage first, and then I'll ask for some help on this. James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. I always called James scatterbrain James because he bounced topics so much. But here he actually stays focused for a little while, <laughs> and he spits out some good teaching on sin. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So we don't just sin and die. There's this progression that takes place, and I'd like to illustrate this progression today so that we can think through how sin happens, and I need four volunteers. First, I need someone who's really tall. Steve, you can fit that, Bill. I need someone who can start us off who's, who's tall. How tall are you? 6'3". Six, 6'3", three. Six, three, six, three works. I need someone a little bit shorter, maybe my height, like six foot. How tall are you? Six foot, that'll work. And then I need someone a little shorter than that, someone who's maybe like 5'8 or so. Can you fit that, Bill? Okay. And then do we have like a real short person here? Do we have like anyone like 5'4 or something? Uh, can you fit that bill? Come on up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Give them a hand here. They're going to help us out. You're 5'3". Well, this works. Um, in fact, I could go either way. This is more for memory's sake than it is like some progression. Maybe we could be like dying off. I could start on the other end and go like the how sin grows. But I'm gonna, I'll do the dying off because we're going to die at the end of sin, right? So I'll, I'll start at the big one. Now, now what we're going to do is the first step in sinning. Every time I hold the microphone up to you, I want you to say the words, thinking about it. Thinking about it. Yep. And so every time I'm going to do that, I want to have you say, thinking about it. Because that's the first step in sin. The first step is you're not doing anything. All you're doing is thinking about it. Yeah, you're thinking about it. You're just pondering things. You're, you're, you're spending time thinking about the things you shouldn't do. It's just in your head. And... And at this stage in the game, you're, you're kind of not feeling guilty because all you're doing is thinking about it. That, that's not that bad. It's not sinning yet. God's not upset with you yet. All you're doing is thinking about it. And if that's all you're doing, then, then what's the harm? We end up thinking about a lot of sin in our life. 
And most of our sin, you'll find yourself, before you do it, you will spend time thinking about it. It's the first step in the process. Now, the second step in the process of our sin, after we spend time thinking about it, we will then spend time rationalizing it. So every time I put the mic up to you, I want you to say, Rationalizing it. Yeah, that's the next step. He had some thoughtfulness in that as he said it too. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. So at one time we were thinking about it. Now we are rationalizing. And what this means is we, we, we are convincing ourselves that it's not that bad. This is what Eve did in the garden. First, Eve was thinking about it. Yeah, she was looking at it and she was going, hmm, that looks so tasty. Maybe. And then she spends time rationalizing. Yeah. As the devil begins to go, you know, how bad is it? I mean, did God really say you wouldn't die? And she's, she's, yeah, she is. <laughs> because now it's, 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 you're convincing yourself it's okay. So whatever the sin, whatever the sin, these are the steps you're going to go through. First, you see a beautiful girl go by. And all you're doing is thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> All it will be is thinking about it. Unless you then take another step and begin rationalizing it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it really that bad? God made people beautiful. And what's harm in looking? And what's the, you know, that you, you, that's just the next obvious step. Suppose it's gossip and you know you have something really juicy to say. Well, before you just spit it out, you will always spend time thinking about it. Yeah. It's pondering it. You're getting it over in your head. And even though you have it all in your head, you don't actually do anything about it until you begin rationalizing. Yeah, is it that bad to tell someone this? I mean, people tell things all the time, and this person might need to know because maybe they could be praying for it right now, right? <laughs> yeah, whatever the sin, whatever it is, you can do this with any sin that's in your life. First, you will start thinking about it. Then you'll start rationalizing. Now, the step three is, is when the rubber really meets the road. This is doing it. Doing it. Yeah. And this is like when you actually are now sinning. You actually take the step, and you're no longer just... Rationalizing. Now you are actually... Doing it. Yeah, whatever that sin is, you dive right in. <laughs> At first, you will always be... Doing it. In the dark. Because even though you have already been... Rationalizing. You still know it's wrong. And so you start doing it by looking over your shoulder, making sure no one else can see. Now, you don't gossip in front of everyone. You gossip on the phone with a hand over your mouth. <laughs> you, 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 you don't look at the girl magazine in the middle of a store. No, you do it over your shoulder at night when no one else is watching. You find yourself doing it in secret because you know it's wrong. And this is just the natural progression for sin. And it's not that there's just a few of us in here that can relate to this. It's that every one of us relate to this. All of us have spent time thinking about it. All of us have spent time rationalizing. And all of us have spent time doing it. Now, when you begin doing it, <laughs> it becomes even it becomes something where it starts off in the dark, but as your heart begins to harden to it, it becomes easier to be doing it. 
Yeah, and the more you find yourself doing it, the easier it becomes. In fact, there's probably some in this room that you find yourself doing it, and you don't feel embarrassed at all because you've been doing it for so long. <laughs> you having fun with her? <laughs> okay, now the last step in sin is defending it. So every time I hold the mic to you, you're going to say, Defending it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where now your heart's become so hard, you feel justified, and you are going to find yourself Defending it. all the time. You first find yourself Defending it. to yourself. And you tell yourself, you know what, though? Everyone sins, right? There's no harm in this. In fact, everyone is. Doing it. Yeah. So uh, this is a form of. Rationalizing. But it's on the other side of. Doing it. Yeah, now you're rationalizing on the other side and you're. Defending it. And you're convincing yourself that it's okay. And you continue down the same path that you've always been going down. This is James's progression as it starts and it gives birth and it grows, gives birth to desire, and eventually will turn into death. This is what happens. Unfortunately, can become a beast because you begin only to yourself, but eventually you wind up in front of everyone. You start letting everyone know, who are you to come over into my life and tell me that, what I, that whenever I find myself, Doing that I'm wrong? <laughs> yeah, who are you to tell me that? And you find yourself very strongly. Now, with all of these steps, it's very important to note this. They all like passing the ball to the next step. No one wants to hold the ball for a long time. It's true you could find yourself... Thinking of it. For years before you find yourself. Rationalizing. But more than likely, because you're human and this is the way God made you, when you find yourself. Thinking about it. You will then find yourself. Rationalizing. And if you find yourself. Rationalizing. The automatic next step is to be. Doing it. And once you find yourself. Doing it. You're going to be finding yourself. Didn't they do a great job this morning? Hey, go grab a seat. So this is the progression of sin that's going to take place in our life. And the, the consequence for this progression is death. It brings death into our life. And I bet, I bet there's a part of you, even I bet you're kind of like me, where even though, yes, Sin is hard because it's so tempting, and there's a part of you, and you can probably, if you're honest with yourself, recognize that there's a part of you that does want to sin. I bet there's another part of you, just because you're here today, today of all days, on a snowy day when you could have slept in and everyone would have just let you, you came to church because there's also a part of you that doesn't want to have sin in your life, and you want to eradicate it. You want to rip it out. You want to run away. How can I free myself? From this deadly progression. James continues in verse 16 to 18. And I like to look at how he suggests that we resist temptation. He says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. 
This deception that he warns us about is a deception that's mentioned many times in Scripture. It's not a deception from the evil one or from a friend. It's the ability to deceive yourself. So let's not be deceived, and let's see what's going on in our own life, and here we go. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Let me back up and let me share what this means. First, if you want to resist the temptation and the progression of sin in your life and you want to turn the tables and instead of thinking about it, rationalizing it, doing it, and then defending it, if you want to back up, here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to trust that God has a good plan for your life. He begins the second uh, passage here the same way he started the last one. He talks about what comes from God. He says, don't be deceived. No, there's, uh, he, uh, he begins by saying, uh, um, well, let me look. He says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. Instead, every perfect gift, good and perfect gift comes from God. What comes from God and what do you believe comes from God? I am very human and I have commands and rules in my house that are not for my kid's sake, but for my sake. I don't like when they scream in the living room. Do you know why? Because it annoys me. So there's a rule. You can't scream in the living room. That's a rule. <laughs> yeah, you can scream in the basement. You can go scream outside. You can't scream in the living room because it annoys me. There's another rule in my family. You're not allowed to run in a parking lot. I don't care if you're cold. I don't care if you're feeling like you have a lot of energy. You're not going to. That one's not for me. I don't want you to get hit by a car, okay? I don't want to lose control and you take off in a different direction and, and then you get hit by a car and then I'm responsible for you. I want to protect you and I love you. These are two different kinds of commands, aren't they? One's for my benefit and one's for the benefit of my child. When God gives you commands, what is his intention? Is it because he, he's annoyed and he's going, you know what? I just, just wait to have sex until you're married, okay? Because it really annoys me when you don't. Is that his intent? You know what? I don't want you to lie because it really bothers me. So I want you to tell the truth. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself because when it doesn't, it drives me crazy. It, is it for his benefit that he gives us commands? Or is it for ours? And I think this is a very good place to start when thinking about resisting the temptation in your life, whatever you're thinking about, to think, you know what? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. This is a God that whatever he's giving us is good for us. It's good for us. But there's something over here that seems so delicious and tasty, and I desire it, and I want to sink my teeth in but he's looking down going, this isn't good for you. 
I think it would be very beneficial for each one of us to spend time increasing our belief and trust in God. Trust that he has a good plan for your life. How could you possibly begin thinking about it for a long time if you truly are spending time increasing your belief that what God has given you and his plan for you is good? Number two, focus your thoughts on God's desire for his children. It says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. God has chosen us. He has chosen you to be his child, and God who has chosen you has good desires for you. I know for me, whenever I'm wrestling with temptation, remembering that I am his child and that he has good plans for me is very beneficial. Every one of us knows what it's like to be torn. There's one time in particular, this is no joke, I was pacing back and forth, debating on sinning. And I was trying to rationalize it. And I really wanted to sin. And I was going back and forth and I started to play games with myself. Surely you've never played games with God. <laughs> this is gonna sound really immature, but I bet you've been really immature with God too. I'm pacing back and forth, and then I thought, ooh, I know what I'll do. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna put out three cards. I took a deck of cards, I shuffled them, and I said, if this is the high card, I know I'm not going to do it. I know God doesn't want me to. Like I need a card. I have something called the Bible, but I'm using a card now playing games with him. You with me? I did this. I put out another card, and I said, if this is the high card, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow through with, with sin. And then I put in a middle card as a scapegoat. And if this is the high card, this whole thing doesn't work. I turned over the first card, and it was a king. I turned over the next card, and it was a king. I don't know, maybe I didn't shuffle as good as I thought. I turned over the third card, and it was a king. And I stood there staring at those three kings. This is so stupid. There's, this makes no sense. This was years ago as I was playing games with God, and I looked at those three kings, and I thought of the wise men. And I just thought, Darren, you are being so stupid right now. Be wise. Have some wisdom here. What are you doing? And, and I tell you, there's something about just surrendering to God and to surrender to his wisdom. And if you want to resist sin, you're going to have to seek to surrender to God's truth. You're going to have to go, okay, I'm just going to surrender to his will over my will. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. That's what he chose. There's a reality there. And there's no rationalizing it that can get me through. There's no, there's no defending it that makes any sense. I've got to just admit 
you are the God of truth. You have good plans for me, and you're telling me not to run in a parking lot right now because you don't want me to die. That's the penalty of sin is death. Do you believe God has your best intentions in heart? And finally, this ending in James here as he says that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This first fruits is like, yay, we have fruit this season. Yay, yay, here's our crop, it's coming. And now we're gonna take this and we're sacrificing it to God as a way to celebrate that God has done something and started a good work this season. And we are that good work. You are that good work. A kind of first fruits is this, is this sacrificial celebration of what God's done in your life. You need to spend time celebrating the Christian life. And if you are struggling with sin, celebrating the good things that God has called us to be as Christians, celebrating that God has called me to be a warrior for him in this world, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with my family and friends in the neighborhood, to be a servant, to be long-suffering with those in pain, to, to help those that have justice fought against them. We, we're, we're called to be people who are living out this Christian life and to celebrate our calling as believers is a way to resist this path of temptation because you have been called not to be a sinner, but to be a saint. That's what God has called you to be, a kind of first fruits of all he created. How can you celebrate the Christian life while you continue to sin? Celebrate it and live it out. Increase your trust in God. And do your best to turn away from sin. Run from it. Flee from it. And grab hold of what God is doing in your life. I've been so blessed, and I'm sure you have, with brothers and sisters in Christ who are not sitting in judgment over me, but love me. Love me in the, in the midst of my mistakes and failures. And you might feel that you might be all alone in your sin. And that's right where the evil one wants you. But I'm telling you, you're not alone. There are so many people who would love you right here in the church. Who would love to be with you and encourage you and strengthen you. In fact, today we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you'd like to come and just share something with us, you don't even have to share very much. But if you want special prayer, I'd like to invite you to come and let's spend some time just seeking the Lord together and encouraging each other. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up, and our elders are going to go in the back. And if you'd like to, you can just go in the back while we sing and spend time in prayer with them. And, um, and I'd like to just begin us right now in a season of prayer. Let's, let's pray. Uh, Lord, Lord, it's an unusual day to wake up and uh, 
expect to have more snow or not, and who's going to be here. And Lord, it's days like this that we see those that really are desiring you, that want you to be deeply involved in their lives. And I thank you for, thank you for this opportunity we have to gather and to worship you and to hear from your word. James tells us that sin continues to progress and grow in our lives. And Lord, I, I know that I don't want to go the path of a sinner because you saved me from that path. Lord, I pray that you would give us an increased amount of faith and strength and courage to celebrate the fact that you've brought us out of darkness. You're the father of lights, and you shine your light into our hearts, and you show us the truth. Speak to us today. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here determined to continue the good fight against the evil desires within our own hearts. We love you, Lord, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.